Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. In our last session, as, as far as in our Bible reading and overall uh, study, our last session, we had done the uh, summary of Romans. I hope, uh, I hope we've covered Romans in a decent way. I, I believe we have. Um, I'm not going to say that, uh, that I'm perfect and that we um, covered every topic. <laughs> I don't know if anybody except maybe Paul or the Lord <laughs> would be able to do that since Paul wrote it. He, he should have a pretty good idea, right? Nonetheless, we're ready to begin 1 Corinthians. Now, before we start with 1 Corinthians, one thing to know is that Corinth was a city in Greece. It was a port city. Paul had brought the gospel there and basically helped um, establish the congregation there initially. And um, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are two letters he wrote to the Corinthians regarding some reports he got from them, and I think even the second letter might even be a response to a letter he got from them. Um, as we read, we'll see if we can glean if that's absolutely correct. I believe that is correct, um, but if we find out different in the scripture, then that's what's correct. Um, let's see. So, Corinth was a port city. Um, they had a lot of temples of like Aphrodite. And they were, you know, known for being a, uh, have a lot of uh, sexual congress and business going on in that city. Uh, like I said, it was a poor city, so they had a lot of people from all over the world coming through there. And it was a rich city because it was a poor city. It was a, a very good poor city, I suppose. So let's see, was that everything? The thing to remember is that the Corinthians got confused, or maybe they allowed someone else to confuse them, and they became divided amongst themselves and seemed to misunderstand some things. And they had uh, sent, either through a letter or through a report to Paul, they had sent questions that they needed answers to and, and different things. So Paul was trying to help them. Um, at the time he wrote these letters, of course, he wasn't in Corinth. Had he been in there, I'm sure, had he been there, I'm sure he would have just talked to them as a group. But I think that is the gist of what we need to know right now. There, if there's more to know, then we'll try to we'll try to find that out. Um, that is a brief summary of what Corinth was. Now, knowing that. Corinth was uh, it was a pretty free city. Uh, I think a lot of things were going on there. I've seen where people write and say that it was a very um, uh, hedonistic or very um, just a lot of things going on there. A lot of things that we would consider sinful going on, and then a lot of things, a lot of commerce and other things going on that maybe weren't necessarily sinful in and of themselves. As you know, a lot of things are not sinful in and of themselves. They are what they are. You know, a knife can be simply a tool or an implement, or it can be a dangerous weapon. So, it depends on how you use it. So, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, I 
I'm going to do this, I think. Um, I'm just going to switch over to the Amplified Bible. I think I had said I was going to do this. And I think I am because I think it helps um, clarify a lot of these letters and the, the actual meanings that uh, Paul was trying to express. Um, I just think it does a better job than uh, even the uh, English Standard Version and uh, better than... Uh, well, to me, okay. Let's just let's. It's a very subjective thing. If you, of course, can still use whichever version of the Bible you prefer, um, the New English Translation is great. But there's so many notes and footnotes and things to look at with it that it can become overwhelming, and you can actually lose the meaning in all the little um, minutia. <laughs> that that they point out, but I, I love it. And if you have time to sit down and go through all of that, it's great. But uh, for the purpose of these, um, of these, uh, this reading and discussion, and and then I guess it's I don't even know if it's good discussion anymore, but just these lessons that we're trying to get from the Bible, um, it becomes too much. So I'm sorry. This has been a long intro. Let's let's move on. This is First Corinthians chapter one. Remember, Paul is writing to them. He has heard something from them in some manner, and he has the urge or the call to write to them and explain things to them. So, uh, chapter one. This is First Corinthians chapter one, verse one. Paul called as an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Now, Sosthenes is the man who they believe actually wrote this as it was dictated by Paul. Okay. So, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, set apart, made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called as saints, God's people, together with all those who in every place call on and honor the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always for you because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus so that in everything you were exceedingly enriched in him, in all speech, empowered by the spiritual gifts, and in all knowledge with insight into the faith. In this way, our testimony about Christ as confirmed... No, I apologize. In this way, our testimony about Christ was confirmed and established in you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift which comes from the Holy Spirit. As you eagerly wait with confident trust for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. And he will also confirm you to the end, keeping you strong and free of any accusation, so that you will be blameless and beyond reproach in the day of return of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He is reliable, trustworthy, and ever true on his promise. He can be depended on. And through him you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> so, these first verses, a little bit of an introduction, not, not huge, but just a little bit of an introduction, and then wishing the Lord's grace and, and peace to them. And then, 
he reminds them in uh, the way this is worded, you know, I thank God always for you because of, and he reminds them of how they are established and confirmed in uh, Jesus and how Jesus will keep them blameless and beyond reproach until the day of his return and reminds them how God is faithful and he could be depended upon. These are always good things, even though this was just like part of a, you know, part of an intro and it's just like a quick little thing that he put in the beginning of the letter. These are good things for us to always remember. Um, you know, when you try to wake up in the morning, just, you know, just remember that, uh, you know, God is faithful and that he's reliable and trustworthy to get us through the day. <laughs> Some days we need that <clears throat> more than others, I'm sure. So, um. Alright, so I'm going to continue on with verse 10. But I urge you, believers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in full agreement in what you say, and that there be no divisions or factions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your way of thinking and in your judgment about matters of the faith. Now, he's getting right to the heart of the matter right off. He's heard that they have divisions in amongst themselves, and he's trying to get them to come to some form of agreement. Now, let's see. Um, probably, and he's talking about, about matters of the faith, probably being a port city with a lot of diversity and different people from different lands and different things. Who knows what kind of foreigners from different, I mean, you know, not just Greeks, but a lot of different people might be a part of this congregation and they have different customs and all these different things and that may and I'm, I'm just saying that perhaps, incidentally, that creates some of the divisions because of all the different backgrounds and, and social, you know, social standing, but then all the different backgrounds of, uh, you know, of, uh, different societies back then. You know, um, societies were worldwide, we know a lot more about each other, but back then, you didn't necessarily know much about the people that lived even 100, 200 miles away. What you heard about them was largely hearsay, and it was not, you know, you did not hear a lot of day-to-day, up-to-date information, and you didn't know what they were practicing and doing. You know what I mean? Back then, it was, you were much more separated and segregated from each other by that distance. <clears throat> we don't have that so much nowadays. Anyway, I don't want to get us off topic. Let's follow along with what Paul is saying here because he is urging them to be united in their way of their thinking and judgment about matters of faith. For I have been informed about you, my brothers and sisters, by those of Chloe's household, that there are quarrels and factions among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you says, I am a disciple of Paul, or I am a disciple of Apollos, or I am a disciple disciple." pardon me, of Cephas, Peter, or I am a disciple of Christ. Has Christ been divided into different parts? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized into the name of Paul? Certainly not. <clears throat> I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized into my name. Now I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me as an apostle to baptize, 
baptize, I'm sorry, but commissioned and empowered me to preach the good news of salvation, not with clever and eloquent speech as an orator, so that the cross of Christ would not be made ineffective deprived of, it, deprived of its saving power. And Paul might be referring to convincing people to become Christians, you know, by using kind of clever talk. Some people, some people uh, in times past have, have used kind of quirk, hmm, I can't think of the right word, almost deceptive style of speaking to convince people to be Christians or they've convinced them in ways that were, you know, not really following the faith. We want them to hear the gospel and believe and be baptized for the right reasons. You know, we want them to feel that heartfelt um, repentance to God. If, if, if it's not happening in the right way for the right reasons, then, then it's wrong. We don't want to, you know, either browbeat, browbeat people into it or use peer pressure or use other weird forms of pressure. So he may be referring to something like that. Or he may simply be talking about some people are just better speakers. They are just better orators than others. Uh, I myself am not a good speaker and just really not that good at those types of things. Um, I'm fine like this, just sitting down kind of reading and talking, but not uh, like a great speech person. Uh, and that's that's probably true of a lot of people. Not everyone has that skill. And some people are pretty good, better than others. And then you have some people who are really super good. So he may have just been referring that he's not, you know, a great eloquent speaker, that he did not think of himself that way. So I want to back up, though, before we move on, because I feel like this is extremely important. This is the answer. If you look at this, this is the answer to denominations, given before there were ever denominations. I mean, all we have to do is go back to, well, first, first verse 11, he had heard that they had quarrels and factions, okay? But then you go to verse 12, and he says, each of you says, I am a disciple of Paul, or I am, and then I realize that uh, for clarity, the Amplified Bible says, I am a disciple of, whereas in other Bibles it says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, but they're just putting that in there to make that clear what the what the intent meaning is because in our English language to say I am of something that does mean that I come from or that I have originated with that but it may sound a little odd because that's not really how we speak nowadays um, so I am a disciple of Paul or a disciple of Apollos or Cephas well weren't they kind of creating their own little denominations right there they're creating their own little factions and this is not wanted at all. The ones that get it right, though, and I'm going to say this, <laughs> I am a disciple of Christ. If you can say you are a disciple of Christ, you're a disciple of Jesus, you follow God and the Bible, then you're okay. All these other labels don't mean anything. They're, they're meaningless. They're of no value. And, and that's what he's getting at here. And he was, he was, you know, he was explaining this to them at a time before we really had denominations like we do now. And I'm very, very surprised that with the things that Paul says and is going to say here, 
that we ever had denominations come up at all. I, you know, I guess we're just people. We're just imperfect people, and we insist on having our little groups and clubs, and, you know, um, I guess maybe maybe some part of our human selves, you know, finds it difficult not to have that. <clears throat> Pardon me, I was getting just a little dry. But, it just boggles my mind a little bit that we went on and still created all the many denominations we have, and yet for centuries people could be reading <laughs> this 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 letter and realize that they are wrong. So he's you know he's let's see. He says, "Has Christ been divided into different parts? Has?" Jesus been divided? And the, the true answer to that is no. While Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Peter, may have came and taught and may have baptized some and, you know, each one did doing different things and talked to different people. And it's not unusual for people to like someone better than another. Let's just say Paul, Apollos, and, and Peter came and they spoke. They each had different sessions and they spoke to the people at Corinth. Some people are going to prefer the style and the mannerism of one over another. Again, it's a human thing and, and we can think of that as a failing, but sometimes it's just normal. Um, I, don't, I don't know that it's in and of itself a failing so much as it's something we need to be aware of. Sometimes I like the way this person talks and presents the message. I think they're clear and concise and it makes good sense to me. Another person I may listen to, they're presenting a good message. I follow along and I understand it, but maybe for some reason the way they present it doesn't jive with my personal taste as much. Not that I can't appreciate the message. I can. I always find, I always find it useful to listen to anyone. So, I can always appreciate the message that they're trying to bring, they're trying to tell us. But in this case, you know, they've really gone to an extreme and they've created these factions, at least these four, though there's really only three factions, and that's Paul, Paulus, and Peter. When you say you're a disciple of Jesus or Christ or God, you're you're right on. That's correct. I don't see any problem with that. So, And Paul didn't say there was any problem with that either. But he was glad that he did not baptize a lot of them because that might have created a, a worse faction. So let's move on. I'm sure you get the idea and I, I should not, you know, clove that to death. Alright, so verse 18. <clears throat> For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. For it is written and forever remains written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the philosophy of the philosophers, and the cleverness of the clever who do not know me, I will nullify. Where is the wise man, philosopher? Where is the scribe, scholar? Where is the debater, the logician, the orator of this age? Has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? I feel like that even today. I feel like, you know. Anyway, we'll continue on for a minute. For since the world, through all its 
earthly wisdom failed to recognize God, God in his wisdom was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached regarding salvation. And that's because the, the message of salvation would sound foolish to a lot of people. It would sound... It would be hard to wrap their minds around the idea of, of the way salvation was brought to us. And I, I understand that myself. Um, if I had first heard all of this as an adult, um, it would be difficult to, or it would perhaps be more difficult, I think, to wrap my mind around it and get it. Fortunately, I was exposed to more things as, as a child, and I, um, I was really interested fairly young. Not that I've lived a perfect life by no means, certainly not, but um, I had that, that little bit of background and, and that helped me, I think, to understand better. But, uh, but traditionally we, we think of um, our belief system and the fact that we believe that Jesus died for us and for, for salvation for all of us is, you know, the world looks at that as foolishness and, and not reasonable. So. So has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? For since the world, through all its earthly wisdom, failed to recognize God, and his wisdom was... Wait, <clears throat> I jumped. For since the world, through all its earthly wisdom, failed to recognize God, God in his wisdom was well pleased, through the foolishness of the message preached regarding salvation, to save those who believe in Christ and welcome him as Savior. <clears throat> For the Jews demands, no, let me start again, sorry. For Jews demand signs attesting miracles, and Greeks pursue worldly wisdom and philosophy. But we preach Christ crucified, a message which is to Jews a stumbling block that provo provokes their opposition, because he was not the Messiah they wanted, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, the Messiah they wanted, and I, you can understand this because they felt persecuted and they were controlled by Rome. Um, <clears throat> the Messiah they wanted was going to be a powerful king that was going to set up a kingdom on earth that they would basically be a golden era for them. But that's not what the Messiah was intended to be. And then to Gentiles... Foolishness, just utter nonsense. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So to Gentiles, it just sounded like foolishness. Now, we, on the other hand, we look at their religious beliefs, and that's just as much foolishness. But um, it's actually much more foolishness, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, they had their set of beliefs and what they believed in, their pantheon of gods and stuff. And some just didn't believe in anything, even as today that is the case. Alright. This is because the foolishness of God is not foolishness at all, and is wiser than men, far beyond human comprehension, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, far beyond the limits of human effort. And that's because God knows all. You know, he's omniscient, he's all-powerful, um, what we would think of as a weakness of God, which I, I don't know of any, don't know that he has any, but Paul mentions this here, the weakness of God it would still be far stronger than anything of ours.
So, you know, in reviewing this, he's just talking about how the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world, the philosophy, and then also talking about, you know, the Jews' belief in that, you know, they were expecting a different style of Messiah, and that's why Jesus was a stumbling block to them. But to the world, the message of salvation can come across as foolishness because they don't understand and they haven't read and understood the history and they don't sometimes they don't believe they don't believe the history they don't believe that that is the way it happened um, and that's unfortunate too so um, and he calls where is the wise man where is the scholar where is the debater you know of this age you know um, comparing them to you know the wisdom of God. Who's going to who's going to you know rise up and debate with God? Who's going to philosophize with God and outdo Him? And there isn't anyone. You know, God has exposed the foolishness of the world's wisdom because the world's wisdom, human earthly wisdom. If you go back, like we're studying Ecclesiastes right now um, in our Wednesday night, um, kind of an online study class that we're doing um, talking about worldly human wisdom it's okay in its own way it goes so far but it's not it's not godly wisdom and it's not profitable like godly wisdom you know human wisdom would tell us things you know uh, perhaps uh, Perhaps human wisdom would say, look, we need to look out for number one. We need to look out for mine and ours. Human wisdom says, hey, I need to stake my claim and protect my stuff and keep everybody away from me and mine and, and keep, keep this here, what I care about. Godly wisdom says that we should love everyone and care about everyone and that we should, you know, um, that we should share and uh, and treat everyone with love and kindness but human wisdom oftentimes would not say that if you've ever you know heard some people I mean they'll tell you that uh, you know it's it's how we come up with things like the the rat race and the dog-eat-dog world where people are so competitive and so you know gnawing and, and, and thrashing at each other and trying to climb that ladder and pulling down people ahead above you so that you can get ahead that's human wisdom and as I say that I'm appalled by that but that's true that's uh, that's human wisdom and that's not godly wisdom that's not the way it should be so anyway I'll move on um, that's that's probably not all of the examples and probably not the best examples but still that is some human wisdom as compared to God's wisdom which is different God's wisdom would be you know you know work well for your employer as though you were working for the Lord um, do not you know do not try to pull down others to raise yourself up it would be a matter of proving yourself through your own work and through your own accomplishments so just saying alright so that's some comparison there and that's just the first thing that was in my head so forgive me if that was not the best example alright so anyway 
and he moves on, you know, to, to remind us that the, the foolishness of God, which is not foolishness at all, but is far wiser than men. And the weakness of God, if there is such a thing, is stronger than men. So, so he continues, just look at your own calling, believers. Not many of you were considered wise according to human standards, not many powerful or influential, not many of high and noble birth. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant, base things of the world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. He selects us and accepts us the way we are, as the, the weak, frail humans we are with all our faults. God accepts us and still uses us for his purpose. He teaches us and trains us how to go if we will, if we will just stay with him and follow the Lord. And thus, he brings to shame or you may think of as embarrassment or just uh you know uh revealing the wrongness of the of the world and the rest you know of what they what they think of as wisdom and strength but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who be who became to us wisdom from God revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God, and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God, and redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty of sin. So then, as it is written in the scripture, he who boasts and glorifies, let him boast and glorify in the Lord. So at the last here, He's saying so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God, but it is from him, from God, that we are in Christ Jesus because Jesus came to us and revealed the wisdom of God that he would set up this spiritual kingdom here on earth for us to be a part of and would make us righteous and acceptable to him through Jesus' death, you know, through our salvation in Jesus, through Jesus' death and resurrection, providing that ransom for the penalty of sin, you know, to, to wipe away our sins, so that then it is written, he who boasts and glorifies, let him boast and glorify in the Lord, so that we can't boast and glorify ourselves. It's nothing that we did. Our salvation came through the Lord, through Jesus, and we are blessed by God with that. It is, it is, uh, remarkable and wonderful. I often think like Paul says this somewhere and I don't remember exactly where right now but he says something similar to this. I always think too that it's you know the good things in me, the good things that come out of me, those are from the Lord. Those are not really from me. I don't feel like I'm really a good person or anything. Kind of like Jesus one time said you know why do you call me good? Only God the Father is good. Well I would say Jesus our Lord is good but uh Nonetheless, um, you get the idea. 
I don't think any of us should be boasting of ourselves because if it wasn't for God, we couldn't we couldn't do anything. All right, so I'm gonna. That's the end of chapter one. So I think you know there there was quite a bit here just to even in the first chapter, and maybe I talked, maybe I spoke too much, but uh, I felt like it was a value. So I hope. I hope it is of value to you. I want to thank you for listening. Remember to stay safe. Uh, it's, these are still kind of crazy times right now. Stay safe. Keep your family safe. And watch out for others. And remember that God loves you.